And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John and chapter 21. John chapter 21. And there we will begin to look at a passage of Scripture. We have touched somewhat on this in uh, the Passion Week of our Lord and Peter's denial of the Lord three times. And I thought, what other resurrection passage could we look at? There are so many good ones who think about many of the blessings of the Lord at the resurrection, meeting Mary uh, in the garden. Um, the two on the road to Emmaus. Don't you love that one? <laughs> Again, I was telling the Sunday school, don't you wish you could have that little lesson recorded <laughs> as they walked, as he explained all things in Scripture concerning himself? That was a marvelous one. And then, of course, what about Thomas in the upper room? Um, how marvelous that is. And then, uh, finally, his uh, calling his disciples back to the Sea of Galilee, and there he has a meal with them that he has prepared. And there he then comes to restore Peter. And there are some good lessons for us here with regard to the nature of the church and forgiveness and restoration. So let us hear then the word of the Lord, John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. Hear then the word of the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Ten, my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And may God then add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word. We're going to try to move through this resurrection event in Peter's life and his relationship with the Lord and his restoration. But one of the things that sometimes uh, is omitted, omitted is the concluding matter um, in terms of our Lord dealing with Peter the conclusion of it, of what the Lord asked him. And he asked him in the light of this restoration to tend his lambs, shepherd his sheep, and to feed his sheep. If you think about it, all those requests in conclusion was uh, was a matter of what the Lord was calling Peter to in the final analysis in his restoration. And I want you to think on that a little bit this morning, that it just didn't stop with restoration, which was necessary, forgiveness, acknowledgement, forgiveness, and restoration. But 
the Lord was restoring Peter to serve him. And uh, it's quite a remarkable passage as you look at it. So as we look at this passage, they have come to Galilee. They have been fishing again. <laughs> and uh, uh, it has not been so successful as was in the beginning. But Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And indeed, that is going to be the truth. Uh, Jesus and the disciples have had their meal together at the end of this meal uh, they come together and uh, our Lord speaks to Peter about um, about his need and about his denial. And uh, the Lord restores him in a great way. I, I suspect uh, that if the Lord brought to our attention the depth of our sinfulness, it would probably disable us. I suspect it would uh, it would be such that it would maybe be very hard for us to take to know the fullness of of our depravity. But I suspect that um, in many of our lives that is what's needed in our lives and in our heart. Uh, sometimes even after we become believers, there there may be times where we need to be reminded of the nature, the old nature, and it's cropping its head up in our lives. And uh, the Christian life is, um, is filled with many challenges. And, and the glorious thing uh, about our, our sin uh, is that it probably will not stop even after we become Christians, true? Um, that does not mean that we don't have a heart and a desire for holiness and righteousness. It just simply means that the residual element of the old man in our life is going to be a tension in us as long as we live. And we need to be reminded of the danger of it, uh, first of all, that we could live the Christian life in our own strength, much less save ourselves in our own strength. Um, that flows over into sanctification, the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we continue to abide in the Lord, and He continues His work in our life. Peter has come to that place in his life where the Lord has reminded him of his great need, his great need uh, to trust the Lord, of his own sinfulness. He has had a difficult with it. What was Peter's acknowledgement? Even when Jesus told him about his denial, uh, Peter, I think, was pondering this over in his mind. This, this can't be. Lord, I'll, I'll follow you to the death. Even in that last week, even that very night, he betrayed the Lord. I think Peter had a certain self-confidence. Even though he loved the Lord in the way that he did, there was still that old man at work is that he was, he was able in his own strength to stand and defend the Lord. Peter 
had a long way to go spiritually, even sometimes as we do in our walk with Him. Peter declares before the Lord that he will never forsake. And remember that the context of it, uh, Lord, let all these others, remember that, let all these others forsake you and I will not forsake you. And when the Lord tells him quite the contrary, that he is going to be the one that will deny the Lord that very night. Peter is very grieved over this denial. It's hard to to believe, isn't it? The one who has walked so closely with the Lord and then he stands by the fire as Jesus is at the door. And he says, I don't know the man. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I am not his disciple. What kind of pressure might Satan and the world bring upon you to bring you to that point? Perhaps to deny the Lord, even though your claim is to be a Christian and that you love and know the Lord. Peter has come to that point. In many ways, Peter has come to the, to the end of his self-confidence and, and his pride in himself and his ability. He has come to the point where he's recognized that the Lord was right. <laughs> he was wrong. That he was very well capable of denying his Lord. And he did. It's quite a remarkable thing then to see uh, Peter as he responds to that. Think that he has a hard time grasping what the Lord has has said. Uh, this this place where Peter is spiritually is also expressed even further in the garden. Uh, and I think is on Peter's mind in the garden because, again, there is there in the garden of Gethsemane. Once again, Peter says, I'll never forsake you. And another thing that you see in Peter's life is finally when the group comes to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one that responds to the arrest? It's, it's Peter. And Peter draws the sword and he, he defends Jesus and he, he cuts off the, don't you dare come near my Lord. I cut. And my dear friends, even Peter at that point was expressing some need of understanding, wasn't he? Because even in that event, the Lord rebukes Peter and says, Peter, the kingdom of God will not be accomplished by the sword. And boy, the Lord is right, isn't He? How wonderful. The cross of our Lord is the victory. And not by the sword, Peter. I think our world is learning some of that lesson in these days, aren't they? Or at least it's being demonstrated. In a very clear fashion. And so, uh, remember that last miracle, which is so beautiful. Uh, the Lord takes the ear of Malchus and he, he puts it back. And he heals Malchus. What a, what an incredible, incredible thing that he is. And, um, Several things that we perhaps need to understand before we can understand restoration is, is the depths of 
of that fall and the depths of that sin and its specificness. Um, Peter did not feel that he as one who loved the Lord was capable of denying the Lord. But indeed, the Lord had reminded him that he would. And one of the first things that is brought home uh, in this particular sin is the sinfulness of our sin. Even as Christians, if we're not careful, uh, we can um, we can begin to excuse ourselves because the blood of Christ covers our sin. Have you ever had that tendency? I'm a Christian, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I like the little book that was written called Respectable Sins. <laughs> Man, sin is any transgression. Or want of conformity. Listen to that one. Sin is any transgression or want of conformity to the law of God. James tells us very clearly we've broken one part of His law. We've broken it, it, it all. That should be very humbling uh, for us and should affect our life as uh, the Lord brings us to Himself. That there's that part of the nature of sin that has to be um, dealt with. The stony heart has to be uh, crushed and made pliable uh, so that our God, as He works, He brings us to that position. And finally, one of the things that you begin to see here is the nature of the Word of the Lord. Do you see that in, in this whole matter that Peter... Uh, has asserted certain things that he will do in relationship to the Lord. And the Lord has spoken to him His Word, even knowing Peter's life that very night. The very night, the thing that Peter said he wouldn't do, the Lord knew that very night in His sovereignty and in His omniscience, knew exactly what Peter was going to do. He knew exactly what Judas was going to do. There was nothing hidden from the Lord in this time of his life. And Peter is reminded that the word of the Lord is true. As a matter of fact, Peter is going to appeal to that knowledge later on. As the Lord speaks to him three times, do, do Peter, do you love me? Uh, and as that uh, comes to to come to bear, Peter has come to the realization that uh, he is in a position. Uh, he is not in a position <laughs> to uh, to defend his case. He knows that he is is guilty. And yet, do you see that Peter still proclaims his love for the Lord? Doesn't he? That he loves the Lord. And uh, we'll try to figure that one out <laughs> and uh, look at that this passage. Well, the restoration comes, and the importance of restoration is necessary. Uh, that was a, a gentleman who had, um, in Presbytery, who had sinned in one of our previous Presbyteries. And uh, he came to his Presbytery and he confessed that sin. He went before the committee and then, of course, the matter came before the whole presbytery. And after a certain amount of time, uh, he, he, was, he showed progress of repentance. 
and true sorrow. And um, I'm glad that the Presbyterian didn't give up on a brother who had sinned. I'm glad the Lord doesn't give up on us as believers when we sin. If, if, we, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He is righteous and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So uh, sin needs to be addressed. And uh, so finally, after this year or so, after he had been restored to his family, restored to the presbytery, uh, he had to once again, he came to the day of his restoration before presbytery. And uh, the moderator stood up. And by the way, he read to him as he stood before the presbytery his sin before the whole of presbytery. And one presbyter stood up and said, do we have to listen to this again or do we have to go through this again? Hasn't this man been through enough already? And the moderator rebuked that elder and said, yes, we do. We are the elders of God's people. And one of our own has sinned. And we as a presbytery will acknowledge that sin as our brother stands before you this day acknowledging that sin publicly before you. And he is seeking forgiveness. And he said before all of God's presbyters here in this presbytery, we are declaring that this man has demonstrated repentance and faith toward the Lord, and we are restoring him to ministry. And we want you to do it. It is for your sake, as a witness to you, that God is gracious. And I remember sitting in that presbytery meeting, and I almost sensed myself being in the presence of that one, of saying, Lord, it's me who deserves to be there, making that profession before my body. Because what kind of, man, am I, am I perfect? No, I'm I'm not perfect, but the Lord knows my heart. And so that was a declaration that day by the church that this man was worthy to serve the Lord once again. And I I thought that 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 would be no doubt in any of the presbyters' mind. They couldn't go back and say, well, you know, he, he repented, but he really don't deserve to do this or he doesn't deserve to do that. And that's not what Jesus did with Peter, is it? When Peter stands before the Lord and he is being restored, what's the conclusion of the matter? Well, we forgive you. We forgive you as the church and uh, we accept you back. But you know, man, you've committed the unpardonable sin. (laughs) That's not true. You've committed the unpardonable sin and you really can't serve the Lord anymore. You know, you're a sinner. And uh, you've shown that as a a believer and, and we just can't have you serving the Lord anymore. That's not true. We've got a lot to learn about restoration. And that brother was restored. And you know, he could go forth and fruitfully serve the Lord in his ministry from that time on, knowing that not one presbyter could ever come before him and accuse him and say, you know, you don't deserve to be serving the way you're serving. Because it was declared before the whole church. It was amazing. It was amazing to behold. But I've seen equally uh, the same thing take place in presbyteries where uh, there have been those who have sinned 
And then there's been an abandonment of those of the brothers and sisters who have sinned and they were kind of washed hands of. And, well, have you heard from Jack? No, man, I don't know what happened to Jack. Man, after he went through that tough time, man, we just, well, good riddance. We, we don't need him anyway. Boy, that's good restoration, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful restoration? We just don't want to deal with it. May God speak to us about our lives and our weaknesses when we fail the Lord. But that doesn't mean that because of our sin that we are never able once again to serve the Lord. And I'll tell you what, the the gentleman that was there that day had that sense of deprecation in his life. That do, do I deserve? It was humbling. It was very humbling. Do I deserve to serve Christ in His church again? Dear brothers, sisters, how healing it must have been for a brother whose sin was shouted from the mountaintop. How reaffirming it must have been in his heart that his brothers, even in view of his sin, understood that repentance, restoration was available to a Christian who had sinned. And that there was possibility to serve the Lord in a redeemed state, in a restored state. And so it's, it's a marvelous thing. Peter stands before the Lord here and uh, uh, he, the Lord speaks to him. And the question, uh, there's the question of the Lord, there's Peter's response, and then there's the Lord's speaking to him. And of course, we know that uh, the Lord's question to Peter, Peter, first of all, do you love me more than these? And that's the way he, he puts it here. Uh, Peter, uh, Simon, no, he doesn't use the name, he doesn't use the name Peter, does he? That's a beautiful thing. I studied that, looked at that. Uh, Simon, uh, the word means pebble. The very name, uh, pebble, an unstable thing, is what the name Simon means. But I tell you, Simon, your name shall be called Cephas, the rock. Peter, the rock. You're going to take that uh, spineless, sinful background, that presumptuous life in sin, and I'm going to make it a useful rock in the kingdom of God. And uh, it's an amazing thing here as, uh, as uh, the Lord speaks to Peter. He uses, I think, his name Simon to remind him of the old way of life. Simon. Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Boy, that thing, more than these, is actually a, a repeat of his words. Remember back to him with regard to his declaration that he would, I'll let all the others fail you, but Lord, I'll, I'll never forsake you. And first of all, the Lord addresses that in Peter's life. Because Peter now recognizes that he is the one that has denied the Lord, that he has failed the Lord. And he humbly speaks. And you have to understand the kind of the language here. Peter it has come to such a humble spot before the Lord that when the Lord asks him, do you love me? The Lord uses the word 
agape love. That is the highest love that can be loved that is from God. For God so loved the world. Agape. Loved it in totality. Loved, loved the world by the giving of His Son. And do you know the way Peter responds? Peter responds, but he doesn't use the word agape. He says to the Lord, Yes, Lord, uh, you know that I have about 66% love for you. <laughs> he uses the Greek word that says, Lord, um, I have a friendly affection for you as a friend. Lord, I, I, I love you. He is not willing uh, to use that word before God that He loves in such a way as God loves over everything. And Peter's claim to have that kind of love in and of himself now has dissipated. It has, it has vaporized. And Peter is humbly before the Lord. And, and the Lord says, Peter, do you love me 100%? Do you love me 100% as God loves? And Peter has to say, what? And remember, he says, Lord, you know that I love you. Remember that. You know that I love you. But my love is filio. <laughs> Mine is a filial love. It's a, it's a, it's a relational type love on, on this level. Peter knows that, uh, he cannot make that claim. The Lord asks him again. Peter, and he omits the other section more than these. Peter has already been low, and now the Lord's going to go even a step further. Peter, do you love me with the agape love? Do you love me with the love of God? Do you love me with your whole heart? Do you love me with everything? Peter recognizes, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't use that word. I can't. Lord, you know that I love you. That I have affection and desire to know you. Now, what is more penetrating at the end of this conversation, finally the Lord the third time comes and asks him, Peter, let me ask you a question. Do you... Do you love me? And this time Jesus uses His word. Peter, do you even love me 66% of it? Peter, by the way, let me ask you. Let me use your word. Let me take away the word agape and let me use the word filio. Peter, do you, do you love me with friendship affection? And Peter collapses. Why does he collapse? Because this is the third time that Jesus asked him, do you love me? And Peter was grieved in his heart that the Lord had asked him a third time, do you love me? Peter's response, Lord, you know all things. Where has Peter come? Peter collapses upon the very knowledge of God that the Lord declared to him, Back there in the garden. Peter, this very night, you are going to deny me before the cock crows three times. Peter has become, uh, in, he has become incensed 
by the reality of the knowledge of God. And he says, Lord, you know all things about me. And by the way, this morning, the Lord knows all things about you. (laughs) There is nothing hidden from the Lord in our lives before God with whom we have to do. But I tell you what, it's a great joy to know that. Because when Peter comes to this position, Peter cast himself upon the knowledge of God. And it is good to cast your life upon the omniscience of God. And his knowledge of you. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, where can I flee from you? <laughs> Lord, there's no place I can flee from you. Lord, even before there's a word on my tongue, you know it all together. Thou didst behold my unformed substance when you did weave me together in my mother's womb. How much does the Lord know about you? And Peter, in the final analysis, What is reinforced to him is the truth, the verity of God's Word regarding him. Lord, you know all things about me. And then what does he still declare? You know, three times, you know, Lord, you know, you know, you know that I love you. And you know what uh, uh, Peter was doing? He was casting himself upon the knowledge of the Lord And he was saying, Lord, you can even take this feeble acknowledgement of a human's love for you and you can work in that person's life and you can so work and you can turn that spineless confession and that life of sin and Lord, you can work in that life and if you want to, you can turn that one into a rock. Lord, you can as cast myself on you can do that work. In my life, Lord, you can take what's there. The Lord can take right where you are. He can shape and mold and teach and guide and make you what He wants you to be when you realize that you can't do it in yourself. I encourage you to always keep that before you, Peter's restoration. And this was done in the presence of the other disciples. And then finally, as uh, this acknowledgement of sin, uh, what does the Lord ask of Peter? Peter, when you have been restoring, don't you love the passage where even the Lord declares His restoration? And when you have returned again, in Luke, I love that. And Peter, when you've returned again, What? Serve my people. Serve my lambs. Serve my sheep. You see, this restoration it seems like a complicated thing, but when you come down to it, uh, the, lead, the, the Lord Jesus doesn't say to Peter, I restore you, uh, but He always asks, tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my lambs. Do you see it? Peter, do, do you love me? Yes, yes, Lord, I love you. Uh, would you feed my sheep? Uh, let me ask you one third time, Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You, you know everything about me. 
you, you know that I love you. I, Lord, I know that you can take this and that your love can prevail and do something with this. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. My dear friends, uh, we who have been called in Christ and forgiven our sins have been called to serve the Lord. Would you think that we could draw safely from that passage that? That Peter wasn't just left in his restoration, but the Lord simply said, Peter, in the presence of all the disciples, uh, do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. One of the things that's, that's beautiful about this, I went over after I finished this particular sermon and I read First and Second Peter. It's absolutely beautiful. It's wonderful. Because there in First and Second Peter, what is Peter doing? Man, he's teaching the flock. He is shepherding the flock. And dear friends, you as a believer who have been forgiven of sin and who have been restored, you have a responsibility to serve the Lord in relationship to others. You love the Lord. You know Him. You know His forgiveness. If that's the case, I should be able to see in your life some sense of your life in relationship to His children. Feed my sheep. Tend my flock. Take care of my lambs. And in a macro way, that means that shepherds of the flock, First Peter 5, the great shepherd of the flock, you under shepherds continue to be faithful and serve the Lord not out of compulsion, but under service to your Lord and service to your Lord. Serve Him in His church for the sake of others to His glory and in remembrance of His forgiveness of you. Yes, Lord. Do you hear His words? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Well, tend my lambs. Take care of them. You have a shepherd responsibility. Those in the life who lead the church have a shepherd responsibility. It is a heart of, it's rooted not, not in some, uh, well, you know, uh, Pastor Barnes has a degree from Reformed Theological Seminary. Isn't that great? No, that's not the foundation for service to the Lord. You know what the foundation of service for the Lord for Peter was? The love of God in His forgiveness in His life making Him a servant. It was the love of God that drove Peter to love the church. (laughs) That's it. Love of the Lord in His life as a sinner. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, unto Thee. Peter, 
loved the Lord. But the Lord loved him more. (laughs) We love because he first loved us. And Peter understood that probably more than most. I say to you, do not let this passage go by and it not affect you as a believer. And if he has called you to himself, may I encourage you that as you know him, would you know that simply not only that we are driven by the love of Christ, but our call is to serve others. Look not out for your own interest. But Jesus says to his shepherds, look out for the interest of others. Look out for the sheep. Jesus said, would you feed my sheep? Oh, you've been saved. You know Jesus says your Lord and Savior. Yes, and doing real well, First Corinthians leaders. We've done this on our own. It's so group. It's so great what we've done. The Apostle Paul says through the Spirit, what is it that you have? What is it that you have in the Lord that you've not first received from His hand? And why would you ever act like that you'd never received it, received it from Him? My dear friends, you have received great gift in redemption and in salvation. But also there is the call to you to be faithful in serving Him with that great grace and that great mercy. And I encourage you, by God's grace, to do so. Love Him from the heart as He gives you grace. And not only is this speak to leadership in the church, but do you know that as parents, do you know that you're shepherds? I love this little book by uh, the shepherd leader. It's by Timothy Whitmer. He's at Westminster Theological Seminary. And uh, he writes about this whole issue. And uh, I love what he, what he writes. And I'm going to just, uh, fathers, mothers, those who take care of others and those who serve the Lord in the church. A shepherd knows the sheep. Does the Lord know his sheep? Uh, amen. You as a shepherd ought to know your sheep those whom God has called you to serve. The shepherd feeds the sheep. Spiritually, what are you feeding your sheep on? Is it the Word of God, the knowledge of God, His omniscience, His Word? What are you feeding your sheep on? And then finally, shepherds lead the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. A true shepherd leads his sheep in places of uh, of fruitfulness. And he shows them the way. And then finally, the shepherd protects the sheep. I was coming down the road yesterday and uh, uh, right past Altamont. You know the big fields out there? And you know the sheep that are out in the field? Uh, We rode by and right in the middle of those sheep was this big old sheepdog. <laughs> I mean, he was sitting right in the middle of them. <laughs> and he was just sitting there. <laughs> they were all eating and everything. And I thought, there he was. What was he there for? You know, instinctively in him is what? His job is to protect what? 
the sheep. You remember the cartoon about the old sheepdog and the coyote who was always trying to get the sheep and he never was successful. <laughs> what, what the preacher thinks of. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> but, but you get, you get the point, don't you? A great little book. This is for leaders, but you know what I think? I think the head of every household and every Sunday school teacher and every person who's responsible for other people in the Lord ought to read that book. The Shepherd Leader. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I have brotherly affection for you. Well, Peter, do you have the love of God for me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you in that friendship way, that filial way. Well, Peter, do you even have that kind of love for me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know what's there. And the Lord knows what's there, doesn't he? Does the Lord know what's there? Yes, Lord, you know what's here. You know all about me. You know that I love you. Peter, if that's true, And if you know that I can work in your life a work of grace and marvelousness and restoration, feed my sheep. Amen? Feed my sheep. May the Lord be with you. May God who has given you the responsibility to shepherd others May you feed them upon the things of Christ and His mercy and His grace. O church, restore to the relationship among us as God's people the Word of God among us. Amen? That the Word might prevail in our relationships so that indeed God's love might be known among us. May the Lord be with you. And may you shepherd your flock. May you shepherd your flock by the Lord's command. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your great love wherein you have loved us. It is a love outside of ourselves but given unto us in a marvelous way through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we come in humble dependence upon You. How many times You have forgiven us of so many things. Lord, we pray that in the light of that great love for us and forgiveness and restoration time after time, Lord, I pray that You would lead us to see the follow-through, to see the impact, to see the influence in Peter's life after this time to that which He had been called to do. To be a faithful shepherd, a faithful under-shepherd in the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, be with us. Help us to shepherd after the heart and love of our Lord. In His name we pray.